Let's get into God's word today. I, I want to begin a series today called Happy Together. Happy Together. And we're going to be talking about relationships of life. And I really today wanted to start with a relationship that I think is really, really important. And that is the relationship that surrounds the followers of Jesus. Those who've committed their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, God has a special calling and a special relationship for us to enter into. And I want to talk to you about that today. So to introduce this topic and, and to kind of give you an introduction to this message today, the, I want to give you three names real quickly that apply to us. Okay, I'm talking about you and me, those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Three scriptural names that apply to us. The first one would be the church. Everybody knows about the name the church. But have you ever thought about this? You don't hear that name church used almost anywhere in society except at church. Now think about that. You know, names are used everywhere. But when you say the church, it almost always refers to a gathering of people who put their faith in Jesus. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, why is that name important? Because it really establishes purpose for our lives. So let me explain to you for just a moment what that word church means. It comes from the original writings and what it, what it literally means is to be called out of something. It speaks of the called out ones. So Jesus said, I will build my church. He said, those who are called out of society. In the days of the Bible, in ancient times, we find that cities had leaders. And those leaders were called the called out ones. They would choose leaders and they would call them out to lead the cities. Jesus said, I will build my council, if you will. I will build my called out ones and the gates of hell will not stand against my followers. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who, and notice the words, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So when we say the church, what it's talking about is that those who responded to the call of God have been pulled out of darkness and they have been thrown into the light. That's why scripture says, old things are passed away, all things become new. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Why? Because he's come out of the old and he's been called out of that and he's been called into the new. Now, when you stop and think about that, when I say the church, the church, I'm not talking about buildings. I'm not talking about walls and, and padded seats. I'm talking about people. We've been called out of darkness into light. We've been called out of death and into life. Now, if I take that just one step further, let me say this. Some of us spend so much of our time thinking about the way we used to be and what we've been called out of that we never get our attention focused on what God has called us into. See, I think the reason there are so many bored Christians in America is because there are so many options out there and they're always thinking about the past rather than focusing on the future that God has called us into. We 
are the church, called out of darkness into light to proclaim the greatness of God to our world. Now look at the next verse because it goes on, continues the statement. It says, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Turn to somebody and say, we are the people of God. Come on, everybody tell somebody. Even if you're by yourself, say it back to me. We are the people of God. If you're a guest today, we're not a loud amening church. Sometimes we get a little bit loud, not very often. But really, we're the bobblehead church, okay? We just kind of nod our heads when we agree. So at least give me a bobblehead this morning. We once were not a people, and here's what God says. I'm going to raise up a people who once were not a people. And you know, there's a second expression that applies to us, a second name. And I talked a little bit about it last week. That expression is the body of Christ. And just as the church gives us purpose, the body of Christ helps us identify our function in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. If you weren't here last week, I talked about the Great Commission. We, as the body of Christ, are called and ordained and appointed by God to go out and share the gospel with the world. And each of us has a part in that. We are many members, but we are together as one. Each of us are different. We have our own purpose, our own function. But in doing this, it gives us a real function among the people of God. And then the third expression is the family of God. And this is the one I want to focus on today. We are the family of God. Scripture tells us in Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't want to ask the question to have you raise your hands or make noise. That's not the point. But just ask yourself the question, am I a child of God today? Have I put my faith in Jesus Christ? If so, you are a part of of God's family. And I want to focus on this today because one of the things that I've learned from Scripture, there's so much information, so much knowledge in Scripture, which brings us understanding. And if we don't have the basic, simple understanding of the plans and intentions of God, we never enter into all that God wants us to be, all that He created to be, all He's purpose for our lives. We need this basic, simple understanding. And You know, I shared this in first service, and after service, we've had so many people say, wow, that hit home to me in so many different ways. I've never heard some of that stuff before. I've heard it all my life. I thought everybody knew this stuff. But today, I'm going to share some things that are so simple and basic that if they'll land in your heart, I promise you, it'll change the way you see yourself, and it'll change the way you see your place among God's people. So let me start with the question today. Why did God send Jesus to redeem us. Why did God send his own son, put him on a cross to pay for our sins, to wash away our sins, to make us his people? Why did God redeem us? He did so because he wanted a family, a big family. And through his son, Jesus Christ, he's opened the door to anyone who will put their faith in him. So today, in talking about the family of God, I want to share three main thoughts, and it'll take me a few minutes, but three thoughts about the family of God. Number one, look at Romans chapter 8. I asked you to turn there earlier. Romans chapter 8, 
I want to begin reading at verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Next verse, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, which literally means we look to God and we call him my dear father. In, in real simple English terms, it means Daddy God. You are my father, Daddy God. Now look at the next verse, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And in verse 17, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, the first thought I want to give you today, and, and like I said, this is so simple, but yet I think sometimes people overlook it. Number one, God wants to be in relationship with every one of us. God wants us to be in relationship with him. Him being the father, us being his children, his sons and his daughters. But I think sometimes we overlook the intimacy of what God is trying to establish in our lives because we get lost in the greatness of, oh, thou great and mighty God existing somewhere out there in space, outside of time. Oh, thou mighty holy one, I am but a little crumb down here on the earth, and can you hear me? We get lost in that nonsense, and we miss the fact that we are the family of God, therefore you and I are children of God. We're children of God. We are children of God. So that means what? God is our Father. Now, I want you to notice the benefits of being the children of God. Being in relationship with God brings benefits. We just read through them, but I want to refer to them real quickly. When God is our Father and we recognize Him as such, number one, He adopts us. He adopts us, which means He chooses us. He brings us into His family and he gives us the rights of all the other children. He adopts us. Did you know you've been adopted by God? If you're a child of God, you've been adopted. Another thing, he places his spirit within us. If you're a child of God, the spirit of God lives in you. We call it regeneration. We've been made alive spiritually because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And then it goes on to say this. If the spirit of God lives in us, he drives fear out of our lives. God has not given us a spirit of bondage to take us back into fear. He's released us from fear. He's given us the spirit of adoption that makes us cry out, you are my father. I'm not afraid of you anymore because you are my daddy God. The next thing we see is he accepts us and he gives us the rights of children in the family. He accepts us. You know, there are people in this room today, you are still struggling with whether or not God will accept you. You're trying to figure out, what do I need to do? How long do I have to do this? How long do I not have to do that? What do I have to do to prove myself to God that I can be one of his children and have rights in the family? You are seeing it all wrong. Here's why. Our place in the family of God is not dependent upon what we do or what we don't do. It's dependent upon, upon what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. 
He paid for our past failures. He paid for our mistakes. He paid for our fallen nature. So that when we go to the cross and we put our faith in Jesus, out of that a whole new life begins. We're taken out of darkness. We're thrown into light. And suddenly Jesus has qualified us to be accepted by God and receive the benefits of the children of God. That's what he's done for us. We need to accept that. We need to open our hearts and realize this is what God is giving to me. I have the rights of the children of God. Another thing he does, he leads us by his Holy Spirit. You know, by myself, I can make some dumb decisions. Anybody in the house, give me a bobblehead on that one. I can make some poor decisions on my own. But if I will listen to God's leading by his word and by his spirit, God will lead me into right pathways. And and then the final thing that really stands out to me here he says that we become joint heirs with jesus christ heirs of god joint heirs with jesus now what exactly does this mean let me explain it to you this way about 11 years ago almost 11 years ago now my father passed away my mother had passed away a couple of years before him then my father passed away When they were both gone, when they both passed from this life, they left an estate. And they left a will that told us where his estate would go. And it was divided among his heirs. And it just so happens that there were joint heirs in this will. And their assets, I mean, they weren't wealthy people, but what they had was shared among the joint heirs. And I think sometimes we miss it. But the family of God began with Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Romans 8 tells us that Jesus became the firstborn among many brethren. Remember I told you God wants a big family? Out of this we begin to understand. Now listen closely to this. We tend to think, well, everything that belongs to God belongs to Jesus, his Son. That's right. That's good thinking. What we miss is when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, suddenly we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What belongs to the Father belongs to Jesus. What belongs to Jesus belongs to us. And sometimes we live way down here when God's called us to live up here because we don't understand what is rightfully ours. Friend, the Father has left so much to us. It's time for us to rise up and say, I am a child of God. I am an heir to everything he has. I'm going to rise up and take what is rightfully mine. This, This is good preaching, if I may say so. And, you know, this gets explained a lot of ways. Ever since the, probably the charismatic movement and, you know, back in, especially in the 80s and 90s and the faith movement that was involved in that as well, people tend to say it this way. Well, you need to know who you are in Jesus. Well, that's right, but there's a whole lot more to it. And I think there's better ways of saying it in today's language. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus, and it's time for us to take everything that Jesus paid for on the cross, everything that God has intended for our life, every promise of God is ours, so let's take the things that have been given to us by the Father. Jesus has qualified us for those things. And can I tell you something? That's a great deal. 
That's a great deal. That I can go to the cross, put my faith in Jesus, have my past sins washed away, become transferred into the kingdom of God, and suddenly start a brand new life, knowing I am now an heir of God, I'm a joint heir of Jesus, and it's not because of what I did, it's because of what Jesus did for me. That is a deal. Any way you look at it. We need to accept the goodness of God. But Ephesians 3 says that we're now known as Christians. What it basically says is the family of God is named for Jesus the Son. People refer to Christian believers as Christians. Those who put their faith in Christ, people call us Christians. It simply means we're a part of the family of God named for the work of his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I've said all of this, and I want to drive this first point home to you. God wants us to be in relationship with him. But he wants us to understand we are his sons and his daughters. Look around the room for a minute. We are sons and daughters. That's who we rightfully are. We are sons and daughters. God has no stepchildren. God has no grandchildren. God has no nieces and nephews. God doesn't even have any brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws and mother-in-laws and father-in-laws. God only has children, sons and daughters. That's who we are in Christ. So let me take it one step further. Now, some of you aren't going to like this, but it's Scripture. If all of that is true, I'm your brother. <laughs> you don't get to choose me. God did that. And you know who you are? You're my brother, and you're my sister. God wants this huge family, and he wants us to participate in it. Number two, second thought, not only does God want us to be in relationship with him, number two, God wants us to be in relationship with each other. God wants us to be in relationship with each other. I'm going to read from 1 John, the first epistle of John, chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, we'll have the verses on the screen. Verses 3 and 4, let's read these verses together. Uh, to start this epistle, John is writing this letter, and he begins by saying, I walk with Jesus, I talk with Jesus, the things that we're declaring to you in writing, we've seen them firsthand. We are eyewitnesses, so we want you to know about it. But here's what he says. That which we've seen and heard, we declare to you, why? That you may also have fellowship with us. Now, let, let's pause here just a moment. John says, I'm writing these things to you as an apostle of Christ, someone who walked with him, talked with him, saw all these things. I saw what he did. I'm writing to you to tell you what he did. But the reason I'm doing this is because I want you to be in fellowship with us. Remember I mentioned to you earlier the word church. You know, it doesn't get used much except at church. Uh, that, that's good. Another word that's not used a lot in our language except at church is fellowship. Of course, unless you watch the Lord of the Rings, then you get some fellowship there in the Lord of the Rings, you know. But, but the fellowship is a unique word. 
And John says, we want you to have fellowship with us. Well, what does that mean? What is that talking about? Well, I'll come back to it. It says, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, let me, let me dive into fellowship for just a moment. Our relationship with God is not complete unless we also have relationship and fellowship with other members of the family. Let me say it again. Our fellowship with God is not complete unless we also have fellowship with other members of the family. I'm going to show you why right here. First, let's work at that. Look at that word fellowship. Fellowship in the original writings comes from a word koinonia. And it literally in the big sense means participation. So what John is saying is, we're declaring to you all that we've seen firsthand so that you may participate with us in the family of God. We want you to participate. And then that participation really is described in four words. First of all, it's communication. What's communication? It's talking and it's listening. It's interacting. It's going back and forth. It's learning from each other, sharing information with each other, which draws us together and makes us understand each other. Well, you know what? That goes on in any healthy family. But John said we need to have this interaction not only with God, but think about it. Jesus said when you pray, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Address God as your Father. But then when we begin to address each other, we need to address each other as brother and sister. Now, I don't want us to run around church and everybody has to call each other brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. I don't want us to go to that extreme. I want us to understand, you know, my mom and dad call me Gary. You can call me Gary. You don't have to call me brother or anything else. Just call me Gary. But when you talk to me, understand as we communicate that I am your brother in Christ. The next word is the word communion. Communication. Then there's communion. Communion is spiritual interaction. You know, we interact with God in times of communion when we partake of the, the, the bread and, and, the, and the cup. In the same way we have spiritual interaction with the Father, God wants us to have a spiritual interaction with each other where we can pray for each other and encourage each other and help each other move forward. That's a part of being in God's family. That takes place in any healthy family. There's another one, contribution. Giving, contributing to the needs of of others. Well, that happens in any healthy family. It should happen in the body of Christ, in the family of God as well. And then the last word is the word distribution, which means we combine our resources and then we distribute it to needs that we purposely look to and we say, this is what we're doing. This is a part of our fellowship, all these things. And you know what? All these things happen in a healthy family. They also need to be happening in the family of God. So let me have you ask yourself a question. Ask yourself, am I doing these things? Am I doing these things with the family? Am I communicating? Am I having spiritual communion interaction? Am I contributing? Am I distributing and helping get resources where it needs to go to help others? Am I having fellowship with the family of God. 
Many years ago, in my earlier years of ministry, a lot of my ministry was very much involved in music, and I wrote a lot of songs years ago. And there was one particular song that I wrote, and I'll just give you the words of the chorus because Aaron won't let me sing in church anymore. But I'll, I'll give you the, the words of the chorus. It simply says this, why? Tell me why. Do we build walls reaching to the sky and try to separate ourselves from one another? If we say that we believe, why can't we see what the Father sees? If God calls us sons, then I think the time has come that we can call each other brother. God put his son on a cross to bring us into this relationship. We cannot afford to miss the importance of what each other can add to our lives. And you know, if you go to verse number four, we looked at verse three. Let's go to verse four real quickly here. And these things we write to you that your joy may be what? Full. There was one place where Jesus said, ask and receive that your joy may be full. But John writes here and he says, we're sharing about fellowship with the family because your joy is never full until you're in place in the family of God. If you're here today and you're saying, well, I wish I had more joy, get more involved. Well, I wish I had more joy, ask of God. Let him make your joy full. And then finally, the third thing. We should not be intimidated by the diversity of God's family. We should not be intimidated by the diversity of God's family. Now, let me, let me address this from two or three different angles. You know, in a, in a natural family, everybody kind of looks alike and acts alike and learns to respond the same way. They laugh the same way. They cry the same way. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But here's the thing. In God's family, God calls us from all corners of the earth. God puts different gifts in our lives, and God never expects any of us to have all the gifts, all the abilities by ourselves. It puts us in a place in the family where we all have something to contribute to the rest of the family. But yet sometimes our differences cause us to separate, hurts our unity. Romans 12 says this, for as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. See, we're not just members of Christ, we're members of each other. A lot of people don't understand that. Now, let me talk about this for a minute, okay? Stay with me. There's some of us who put so much emphasis on earthly family and earthly friendships that we miss the importance of our eternal family of God. This earthly family, we may be together 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, but I'm going to tell you something. When we get to the other side, we're going to be together forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and we might as well start getting to know each other now. Can I get one amen or a bobblehead? You need to get to know me. I'm not as weird as you think. I, I ran into somebody the other day in the store. 
So, oh, aren't you Pastor Gary? I said, yeah, I am. Oh, you, you look bigger on the platform. I said, thank you. <laughs> I didn't know if she meant tall or if she meant something else, but I, I turned it into a compliment. Thank you. Thank you. But here's the point. We're supposed to be different from each other. You show me a church where everybody's alike, and I'll show you a little bitty church that has no vision for the world. The bigger our church becomes, the more diverse and the more different we look from each other, the more different gifts we have. As we grow and grow and grow, if we become what Christ wants us to come, we can reach into 70 areas instead of seven areas. That's the design of God. He gifts us and he places us in the body. 1 Corinthians 12 says it this way. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And all the members still make up one body, one family. But he goes on to say, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. See, I've watched it through the years. I've seen a lot of division in churches. Because super spiritual people look down on people who don't know what they know who haven't experienced what they experience. People that are called and gifted by God put themselves among the others or above the others and say, well, I'm above you because I'm this and I'm that. You know what, can I tell you something today? That's not the plan of God. Never has been, never will be. It's not to use our spirituality. Look down and say, well, bless God, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm up here and you're down there and you don't know what I know. That's a bunch of nonsense. You need to stop it. That's condemnation in the body of Christ. On the other hand, those of us who don't know what others might know, don't be intimidated by them. Don't let them put you down and think you're small. Just realize there's more for you to learn and there's more for you to grow into and God has room in his family for all of us to live together and encourage each other and grow together. There's room for all of us. It's God's plan. What he said was we need each other. There are people in this church that you need in your life. You can get involved in connect groups. You can get involved in serving. You can get involved in all kinds of ways around here. When you do, you'll get connected with people who will be a blessing to you because they'll bring more joy into your life. And what you'll learn is our differences don't separate us. They add to our lives. They add things we don't have by ourselves. Which brings me to one last thing I want to show you. It's still part of number three, but look at Galatians chapter three. We're talking about the fact that we should not be intimidated by the diversity of God's family. I want you to read with me Galatians chapter three. Follow along with the beginning of verse 26. This is what Paul wrote. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, leave it up there just a moment. When you're baptized into Christ, when you're born again, you are baptized into the body of Christ. You're baptized into the family of God. And when that happens, we put on Christ. We don't put on our favorite TV preacher. We don't put on our favorite doctrine. We put on Christ. And when you put on Christ... You become a part of a big, big family. Now look at verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, 
There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now I'm almost finished. So I want you to listen to me for a few minutes. Within the body of Christ, we also differ by background, by societies in which we've been raised, by unusual characteristics in the family we were raised in. Some call it dysfunction. Don't worry about that. Every family is dysfunctional. Okay? Everybody's, every family's got a crazy one. If you don't know one in your family, you're probably it. So just go ahead and laugh with the rest of it. I'm, I'm known to be the crazy one in my family, and I'm all right with that. But here's my point. I, I want you to listen to me. I'm almost finished. When I was a kid, the generation ahead of me had written a lot of songs for kids to sing in children's church. One of the songs was, Jesus loves the little children of the world. He does. But part of the song said, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. God doesn't see color. God doesn't see nationality. God sees our hearts. That's what he's looking at. And in the family of God, we have to understand that there are going to be differences from person to person and family to family. We're going to be different. And sometimes it's nationality and race. But it says when you come into the family, you put on Christ. What that means is Christ and the family of God becomes your new eternal are you listening to me? Your new eternal identity. It's identified by the name of Christ. Which means I got to be willing to lay down other labels to take on the label of Jesus. Having said that, God's called us all to unity. Juan, come help me. Herman, come help me. Gil, come help me up here. You're perfect. Come on up here and help me. I want you guys to do something today. Get your, cam get your phones out. Get your cameras. Come on, everybody, get your camera. Don't tell me you haven't got it. Some of you have been sitting there texting all during church, okay? I'm watching you. <laughs> See, that's why my own family doesn't accept me, because I'm a smart aleck sometimes. Get your camera out, and I want you to take a picture of God's family. That's what we are. We're God's family. Gil, where, where's your family from? We're from the Philippines. Where's your wife from? From Laos. From Laos. Herman, where might your family be from? From L.A. L.A. Ooh, that's really scary. Juan? <laughs> <laughs> Where's your family from? Mexico. Mexico. How many people in this building, your family's from either Central America or South America? Just slip your hands up real quick. You're my family. How many people here are from Europe? Your family's from Europe. Let me see your hands. Or you're from Europe. You're my family. We got anybody here from Asia? Any part of Asia? Look at this. You're my family. 
Anybody here from Australia, New Zealand, somewhere down under? We're going to pull you up out of there if you're down under this morning. But sometimes we do. What have I missed? Eastern Europe? Well, Africa? Okay, anybody here? We got anybody here from Africa? Come on, Harrison, get your hand up, Mary. Pardon me? Canada? Where's that? <laughs> oh, Canada. We're family. We're family. And some of us are spending so much time on family things that don't matter, and we're spending no time on eternal family matters that do matter. I got a lot of family, got a lot of cousins. I have an aunt here today. Aunt Lena, stand up. We're glad you're here. My Aunt Lena's here in service today. I'm not sure how old she is, but she's somewhere between 50 and 100. So <laughs> she left her older sisters at home today. She came by herself. But having said all of that, and with my foolishness aside, thanks, guys. This is God's family. Now, why am I saying this? Philippians 3 tells us, as a family of God, our citizenship is in heaven. I may have been born in America. I am an American citizen. But if you want to know long term, I am a citizen of heaven. And when America no longer exists, I'll tell you where you can find me. I'll be in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And we need to stop thinking in terms of 80 years and start thinking in terms of eternity because we have something to offer each other. Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, we're ambassadors here. We're ambassadors for heaven here in a strange land. You know, the last few years in America, we've had some civil unrest. And racism has been at the root of it. I've had some people come ask me questions why I don't talk about it in church. I've had some people say some things outside of church that weren't very nice about me because I've not talked about it in church. A couple of reasons. Number one, I try to avoid politics in church as much as possible. I think everybody appreciates that. You should. But here's, here's the thing. Once you listen closely. A lot of the unrest has been spurred on and created by political groups trying to cause unrest in our country. Didn't want to get in the middle of that. Second of all, this is the bigger reason. Look around this room today. Red, yellow, black, white. The church is not the problem. The church is the answer. We're not the problem. We're the answer. If you think your race is better than another, you need to go back to God and get some things straight because all of that dies when you come to Christ because we pick up his identity, not the identities that the world has tried to put on us. There's so much treasure in this room, so much. People, their lives, their giftings, our differences should augment each other. They should augment the family, not diminish the family. We're the family of God. So in closing, let me just 
share some conclusions I've drawn real quickly from Scripture. God has plans for us now and eternally. So we probably ought to start engaging with the family now rather than later. Another one. God wants you, he wants me to get acquainted with the rest of the family. Another one. God wants us to treat each other like family because we are. We are. And in God's family, this is the last thought, in God's family, the common thread is Jesus. What he's done for us and what his plans are for us in the future, that's the common thread that unites our lives together. Friends, Let's forget about what we've been called out of and let's get focused on what he's called us into. Let's come together. Let's do what God has called us to do as a family, as a body of Christ, as a church. Let's get to know each other and let's make a difference in our world. Our diversity should not separate us, should unite us, make us stronger. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never committed your life to Christ. Maybe you're not a part of the family. For whatever reason, you're on the outside looking in. As you sit here today, you listen to this and you think, man, this all sounds good. And, you know, I feel good inside about what you're saying, but mm, I don't know where I fit in all of this. Let me tell you how, it, how easy it is to become a part of the family of God. It's stopping and realizing that God loves you so much. He sent his own son to die on a cross to pay for your sins, to remove that which stood between you and the Father so that you could join the family. Jesus paid for it. His death was the price. His resurrection proves that God accepted his payment. And then we put our faith in the resurrection of Jesus and claim him as our Lord. And scripture said if we would do that, God would begin a work in our lives called salvation, soteria, saving us, delivering us from the old life, translating us into a brand new life where everything changes. God wants you to experience that. It all begins, doesn't end, it begins with words, a prayer, an invitation of you asking Jesus Christ into your life. I'm going to ask everybody here to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray with you right now. And I'm going to ask everybody here to pray this prayer right out loud. Just repeat these lines after me. Wrap your heart and your faith around it and let God begin to work in your life. Pray these words. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I will learn your ways. I will follow you. I want to be your child. I want you to be my father. So I give my life back to you. Wipe away my past. Give me a brand new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let me pray one more prayer. Father, I pray for this church today, everybody who hears this message, break down walls and barriers in our lives that keep us from connecting with the family. Bring us into relationship not only with you, but with other believers. Help us find our place and our purpose and be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just before we change the order of service, 
I'm going to say this. If you prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to come into your life today, if you've never prayed that prayer before, or if you've been the prodigal and you've been running from God and you know it's time to come home, as you prayed that prayer today, you opened your life, you began this relationship with God, we want to give you a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. Just simple reading for the next week. It'll help you start building, help you start that relationship with God. We want to give this to you. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. All you got to do is walk down to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. You can get it and go if you're in a hurry. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you need prayer for something, they can pray with you. But please, let us give this to you today. If you can't remember the name of the book, the next seven days, just say, can I get the booklet? They'll know what you need. Just give, they'll give it to you right here. If you're in a really big rush, you can also go out to the exit doors, the glass doors, and right in the center, there's a counter set up there with a big sign. Talks about starting your walk with God. They'll give you the same booklet there. Just walk up and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there. No strings attached. We want to help you get started walking with God. We put our hands together and welcome folks into God's family today. God bless you.